0: Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century.
1: This is Fresh
2: Art International. My name is Giselle Hero. And I'm Janae King. Our podcast explores contemporary art, film, and design across six continents. We're here to introduce the prologue to a micro-series of episodes featuring Voices of the Future, the Fresh Art Student Edition. Today's story is among those produced by University of Miami students during the spring 2020 semester. They recorded real-life experiences of Miami art and culture. Their podcast, Miami Moves Me, is like a time capsule. These days, the global coronavirus pandemic and social distancing requirements have made adventures like theirs seem impossible.
1: In March 2020, when the coronavirus forced UM courses to go online, the Miami Moves Me team had to cancel planned interviews and field recordings in Little Havana, Alapata, and Miami Beach. UM senior Melissa Huberman decided to investigate how the pandemic had affected the art community in Miami and around the world. She began by reaching out for a conversation with Fresh Art International's founder, Kathy Byrd.
3: We stand
1: clear of the war. while the train is departing.
3: Since the COVID 19 outbreak, artists and curators are both grappling now with how to present their work and communicate with their audiences while still social distancing. My professor, Kathy Byrd, experienced a similar dilemma almost a decade before the outbreak.
4: Could you tell us a bit about how you founded Fresh Art International? Of course. It's
0: such a great story. It's one of those crisis equals opportunities stories. I had a trajectory in the field of contemporary art over 20 years, each opportunity leading to another opportunity, and was very engaged in the art scene in Atlanta and in Baltimore. But there came a moment with financial challenges for the institution I was directing, and I became unemployed on January 4th, 2011. And that was such a shock to me that I, I was just spinning. I had no idea what to do because I had always had these opportunities. The path kept opening before me. And suddenly I had to figure out what to do if I didn't get these curatorial jobs I was applying for or the directorship positions or the writing opportunities. What if those don't work out? What do I become? How do I keep contributing to the field? If you don't have a physical space, one of my friends suggested that I listen to some podcasts. And 10 months later, October 1st, on a park bench in Brooklyn, I launched Fresh Art International.
4: I wanted to actually talk to you about that transition from a physical medium to being online.
0: Well, what was a great advantage for me in the technology, was that without employment, I became nomadic. I called myself a creative nomad. For two and a half years, I lived in different cities, in different countries with friends and family or subletting a room in Berlin once. uh, But with technology, I was able to work on Fresh Art International from wherever I was. And actually the advantage of being nomadic was that I was able to collect stories from different creative communities and I could do everything I needed to do to produce episodes on my laptop. So my laptop became my office wherever I was. What was really exciting about being on the move for those two and a half years was that I went to the scenes. I was in those towns. I was recording with people on the street, in the galleries, in the museums, in their studios. Being out there in the field was better than being in a box looking at my laptop all the time. (laughs) I still had these real life experiences, and I think that is really vital. When I get to places like here we are, safe at home, When I can't travel, I feel a bit like I would really like to be sharing real life experiences than sharing Mm -hmm. things I record online. But honestly, Melissa, I have recorded for how many years now? Nine years. So I have a ton of content that I haven't made into episodes yet. So if I am here in my home for another year, uh, I hope that's not the case, but even six months, I don't need to record another interview. When we talk about art, it can't be in a bubble. It's got to be with an awareness of the world. And I believe that that's what I've been able to do with Fresh Art International in a way that I never did before.
2: Because of shelter at home and social distancing requirements, museums all over the world had to take a virtual approach to exhibitions and programming. Let's hear from Kathy and Dana Musso, a student at UM, on their impressions of these shifting art encounters.
0: Art has always had the challenge of not being totally performance-based because the world has a tendency to value something they have to buy a ticket for and show up for, but they're not necessarily spending the time to dive into the meanings behind the works. Most artworks are viewed, what is it, three seconds Unless oh, really? somebody is struck. If you're walking through a gallery, mm-hmm. you're not spending time looking at each one. I mean, people don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's rare. <laughs> so the advantage, perhaps, of being online is you could dwell in a work you could sit and study it and and read about it and click on the links to see the references or look up references and discover other artists i i think that's a value of sitting home and looking at art reflectively when there's not a time frame you're not scheduled to go out to dinner right after and you have to rush through the gallery yeah. and hopefully they will value more the physical experience of immersing themselves in art, there's nothing like it. You can't have a 3D experience, no matter what the technology, without it seeming a little bizarre. So
3: how do you think that the quarantine is affecting the art world and the art community? Since you might have more time to work on pieces, but now galleries are really changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what art museums and what art galleries are doing, like, becoming more digital and and virtual is, it's a weird, like, trade-off because I think art is something that you should experience in person and you should enjoy, but at the same time, in this situation that we're all in, it's nice to see something that is beautiful My stance on art is that it should make you feel good and it should be something that is beautiful to look at. I know some artists might feel differently. They might feel like their art wants to carry a message. I kind of don't have that. I kind of just have this feeling of like my art is an escape for me and it should be an escape for other people. Um, So I think that it's nice that museums are kind of going around and galleries as well going around their, their space and trying to show people like a little bit of beauty in the world. Um, even if they can't see it. But it's so different to see like, for example, like a Van Gogh painting on the internet to really seeing it in person, because you can see like up close, like the details, the paintbrush strokes, and you get a more like personal sense when you look at a painting in person when you're with it, you can become more integrated with the painting kind of just goes with the whole, you know, being on these platforms of like, skype facetime whatever there is a disconnect because we are looking through it through a screen but that's kind of just our culture too these days is everything is just looked at through a screen but i do think it's great for people to just have that little bit of of escape in looking at art and for people who are artists it could really inspire them like just because people can't go to a museum or to a gallery to see work doesn't mean that no one will ever see your work. I think it's a very interesting point that you make about that like physical aspect, not being able to be replaced. And I wanted to to hear a little bit more about that experience. Yeah, so like um, I'm actually sitting in front of my painting right now, but I'm just like, I'm looking at it and I am like the camera essentially, like I am zooming in and zooming out and looking at like little bits of texture on the painting or like what, I don't know, what decisions that I made to like, put color where I did and it's just like there's a lot more that you can almost investigate when you're looking at a piece of work in person like or sculpture for that matter as well like you can walk around it you're doing something for the piece like the the piece is making you look and wander around and whereas if you just kind of look at it on on the internet it almost takes away that integral feeling that art brings people like together my senior show got canceled, obviously. And the head of the department, he gave me the option, do you want to do like a virtual show? And me personally, I I opted to just postpone it. um, Mm -hmm. Because my idea was to be very integrated with the audience. I didn't want people to just look at a painting on online, I wanted them to really be able to walk around the space and become one with like the environment. So personally, like I think it's it depends on the kind of art, I guess, because you do lose a little bit of that environment and that experience.
4: What do you think will maybe remain behind after we go out of quarantine for the contemporary art world?
0: What I saw happen in the last few weeks was a big scramble for these museums that weren't they weren't really engaging on a regular basis. They weren't engaging fully, I would say with the digital community. The opportunity is here is that if they continue to engage online, then a world of people can know what they're doing. Whereas if we only engage where we're standing right now, and we have things to say, it's important that the world hears them. So I think it's important to do the physical and the virtual in order to record and share and preserve the world that we live in today.
1: Kathy invited a team from the Bass Museum of Art in Miami Beach to meet Melissa and the other UN podcasters in their virtual classroom. Here's what the art professionals had to say about the new normal.
5: Hi, I'm Leilani Lynch. I'm curator at the Bass. So curators, we work with the artists generally and make the exhibitions at the museum, kind of organize them. From our side, it's something we're definitely grappling with, especially because we really wanted to program exhibitions that are intellectually accessible, meaning anybody can walk in. You can be somebody who's just like a tourist off the street, or you could be a collector. It's something that people can experience from different levels and and want to engage with. And a lot of that has included interactive art, so things you can touch, things you can manipulate, and the thrust of our fall. 2020 program, we're supposed to be interactive. So it's been, you know, not only as an institution thinking about that, like, is it time tickets? Is it reduced capacity? I think those are things we need to look at. Is it limited hours or, or special hours? I don't know. But also having this conversation with the artists themselves of your artwork is now potentially dangerous, or people might not want to interact with it in the way that you meant. So that's been really interesting and sort of tough. So we've already kind of started that with, with the artists and one of them we're actually postponing to a later date and the other is going to be kind of rethinking the plan. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it takes place from like the forward face, the outward facing level to visitors, but also, you know, between the artists and kind of like the crisis that they might be having about their own artwork.
4: I'm Julia Rudeau. I'm the head of communications for the museum. I also am a professor at UM as well, and I teach in the School of Communications. This is probably one of the hottest topics that all cultural institutions and, and arts organizations are discussing right now. On the press side, there was a lot of push after the initial shock wave of just all of the sheer amount of closures and museums having to just struggle and get through this, there then was this big wave that's still kind of going of editors and major art publications wanting to focus on the shows that will never be or the shows that didn't get their due time on view. so that's been interesting to navigate on our end is the exhibitions that we unfortunately will have to postpone or push or those that were supposed to be on view and never got another day open to the public after uh, March 13th, trying to give them a voice in media. Um, And so that's been pretty interesting. A lot of people are projecting, understandably, that performing arts organizations are going to be hurt the worst because of the the concept of having to sit very closely to different people while you're patronizing an event, um, versus a museum where naturally you can be a little bit distanced from people. It is more of a kind of isolated experience. Albeit what Leilani is describing from our exhibition schedules is very different and our, our curatorial strategy is different from that. I just keep thinking Leilani back to, you know, Paolo PV show in the bed and how oh my much God. There, that piece would be in today's world. Oh, yeah.
5: I mean, that they were, you know, wonderful gestures when they happened. And now it's like, yeah. oh,
4: you know, the world has really changed on in a couple of weeks. And that would be a fun picture to look at for everyone. We had a giant 40 by 40 mattress. Yeah, 40 foot bed Man. installed in our largest gallery that you could climb into. Yeah, so I think like we're optimistic and hoping that, you know, within, you know, six months that things could start resuming to business as usual, I guess, as they say. But from what Gleilani is explaining in the exhibition standpoint, it'll be the most impacted, as well as like as Kylie's realm of classes and having people come
6: together. Hi, I'm Kylie Crook. I'm the Director of Education at the Bass Museum. I've been there uh, in the education department for about nine years. And in the museum education world, it's really rocking our boat hard because we just finished up a sort of, I think it was a five-year research study or you know, three years showing the effects of an actual real-life visit to a museum for a student versus uh, a digital image on a screen in their classroom and what the learning benefits are between the two. So when the student actually visits a physical space and they feel it, they see it, they sense it, they can see the details, they're making many more learning gains than they are when they just look at an image on a screen. So it's really hard to not be able to offer that, that space. It's like really important for the learning process to empathize and to really feel what the message is.
2: This episode reveals some of the ways that the global pandemic has impacted the art scene. In her story, Melissa Huberman paints a portrait of Miami as a model of creative resilience. Miami's cultural community is using the hashtag MiamiArtStrong to spark positive energy around local art and culture. How is your town responding to the challenge? To hear other episodes about the art scene in Miami, visit FreshArtInternational.com. On Fresh Art's special SoundCloud playlist, you'll find more Miami Moves Me stories, We invite you to subscribe to our podcast anywhere you go to listen. Follow us on Instagram at freshartintl. The John S. and
1: James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you make Fresh Art International possible. Visit our site to learn more and explore the podcast archive we've been building since 2011.
2: While you're there, sign up for our latest news and give a donation to support our stories. Stay tuned for more fresh talk.